Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Tyson Hickson, why don't you come on up? We've been ministering together. We've been friends for like more than 25 years. And um, he, he just has a heart for the Lord and he has a heart for impacting businesses and impacting families. We're in our series fighting for families, fighting for our families. And so we're really excited to hear from him today. Good morning. It's been a while since I've been up here, and Pastor Trap basically stole my show. He starts preaching, like I have a word, and he was going to preach all the way through. I thought maybe he could bail me out and he could just preach. Were you ready? He only got an hour of sleep last night, so he'd probably only make it through about 15, 15 minutes. Safe grad. These two are committed people. And last night, from what, hey? Dry grad. And uh, from what I hear, they got lots of opportunity to speak with people. How many know that this world is broken and hurting? Have you, have you noticed that? This world needs Jesus, amen? amen. And, and we are, the, we are the, um, the conduit through which he, he chooses to bring his gospel. We're broken. We actually suck a lot of the time. Have you, have you ever felt like you just suck? No? No one's raising their hand. I feel like I suck all of the time, and the older that I get, the more I feel like I suck. I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out life, you know, I'm, I'm 39, next, next, uh, next year I turn 40, and that's going to be a milestone for me, and I'm looking at my life and trying to figure out, have I, have I got there, have I, have I figured out my life by now, and, and I read something a little while ago that said, you ever feel like, uh, you know, you should know what you're doing by now, by the time you turn 40, but you're still just kind of wandering around, bumping into walls, looking for food. Anybody feel like that? It's exactly how I feel. I cannot figure it out, but one thing that I know is that the Lord is with me, amen? How many of you know that the Lord is with you? And this morning, he is going to bring you truth through my mouth. And I, I do not uh, suppose that I am smarter than any of you, that I'm wiser. I've made a lot of mistakes, and I haven't even learned from that many of them, but the one thing that I know... <laughs> is that the Lord is with me. He is with me. So before we get started, I obviously need to acknowledge the mothers. Happy Mother's Day, all you mothers. Happy Mother's Day. A very special Mother's Day to the best mom. I know that this is controversial because I'm married, but the best mom is my mom. Her name's Fern. There she is. Oh, good, the screen didn't make us fat. I was concerned that it was going to make us fat. But we look <laughs> average. <laughs> My mom is the best mom. If you know my mom, you would agree with me, or at very least, you would say that she ties with your mom for best mom. My mom is an amazing person, and as we talk about fighting for our families, what a great day to start it off on Mother's Day. How many of you know that, well, let's, let's just talk about this, fighting for families, Mother's Day. Do the two match up at first? It's like, nah, maybe not. How many of you know what it looks like for a mom to be defending her children? It is nothing short of scary. Uh, especially when there's two moms whose kids have pushed each other around or one pushed another kid down the slide and those two moms are having a confrontation. I just, I just wanna, I won't, I don't wanna be there. I just wanna leave. <laughs> Funny story, and this has nothing to do with moms but pushing kids down the slide, guess what? My son once put, pushed Jerome McGinley's son down the slide. He gave him a shove. Jerome McGinley. And I was, I was concerned that he was going to come and talk to me, and he did not, and I avoided him. 
because I'm sure that he could make quick work of me. But when moms, moms are fierce, right? Um, anyways, it's such a great, great thing for us to start off today as we talk about fighting for our families. Moms, you're fierce, you protect your children, and, uh, and we love you. Um, so today we're going to talk not just about mothers, we're going to talk about fathers, we're going to talk about family in general, and uh, we're going to talk about coordinated efforts of family this morning. Um, now before we get into it, I want to define what family is. Uh, family looks different these days, you know what I mean? It doesn't quite look, it doesn't have the same feel. In fact, they say that more than half of families are broken and then a couple of families come together and then maybe they break off again and a couple more families come together. Family looks, family looks different than it once did. Here's what the Oxford Dictionary um, defines family as. A group of one or more parents and their children living together as a unit. A group of people related to one another by blood or marriage. So similar words that you, just so that we can kind of identify what we're talking about is relatives, relations, blood relations, family members, kin, kinsfolk, one's old flesh and blood, extended family, clans, tribes, your folks, your nearest and dearest, one's people. Uh, the second definition is all the descendants of a common ancestor. Uh, where you share a family tree, you share lineage, you share a bloodline, you share forefathers, a race of people from a common stock. But uh, the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, it, it defines it this way, which I like much better because it's a little bit clearer, and I'm a simple man and I need simple definitions. A group of persons united by the ties of marriage, blood, or adoption. Adoption is an important word for me. For, for, for me in that definition. I gotta be honest, uh, my extended family, am I close to them? Not necessarily. Am I, am I close to my church family? Absolutely. These are the people that I trust with my life. And I've been adopted into the church, and the, in, I've been adopted into the family of God, and that is, a, that is a great place to be. And if you're not there, you need to get there. You need to get adopted into the family. Um, they got our backs. So anyways, um, I wanna talk about Something that's happened recently to me, uh, I recently had one of my kids turn 18, which is the government's definition of an adult in Canada, okay? If you know Jaden, he's got a little ways to go before he gets to being an adult. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, and his youth leaders say amen. <clears throat> I gotta be honest, it kind of snuck up on us. How can, how can your, your child turning 18 sneak up on you? It just kind of snuck up on us. And then we're there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we took him to Edmonton, and uh, we, we took some buddies with him, and we just had fun. And then we had to move on to a, a leadership conference last week. So he, he, we took two separate vehicles. Him and his buddies took off to Edmonton, and we took off to Jasper. And, uh, and they needed to leave fairly early in the morning. So they left at like nine. And we still, we still were sitting in the hotel room as they left. And, and uh, we just kind of took a few minutes to talk it through. And man, it, it hit us both like a ton of bricks, hey? Your kid turning 18, especially your first one, if you've been there, you probably understand. But it kind of feels like report card day. And it was like, you know, have we done enough? Did we pour in enough? 
could we have done more? Actually, I think the enemy was really trying to tear us down in that moment. But the truth of the matter was, is it was like, you know, I wanted to speak life in the situation and say, we, we have been good parents. We've, we've, we've done the right things. We've brought him to the house of the Lord. We've poured into him. Could we have done more? Absolutely. We are, we are, we are far from perfect parents. But in that moment, I, I, I was just thinking, okay, well, this is not the end. <laughs> you know, 18 is really a, a new beginning. But it's different because I'm 39 and I have an 18-year-old son and now I have to figure out how to parent adults. I've been a youth pastor. Honestly, the teenage years were a little easier for me because I've got to deal with some, some really tough situations for, with youth throughout the years. Young adults, not so much. So we're moving into this season, and, and it's different. It's exciting, but it's a bit daunting. There's new challenges, new, paradi- new paradigms, and new fights. But uh, I would say we are up for the challenge, right? Wife? Mother of my children. A close tie for my mom, for best mom. Not really. (laughs) So what does it mean to fight for family? I mean, if there is an obvious physical threat to your family, it's fairly obvious what the fight is. If there's a grizzly bear charging at your kids... If uh, Jerome McGinley is coming at you because he just, your son just pushed his sign down the slide. The threat is obvious. But I got to be honest, uh, the most serious threats to my family have not been very obvious at all. And you know the reason is, is that the enemy, he's a deceiver. He's sneaky. He's a liar. And he's, he's really good at it. And so those serious threats, what we really need to know is what is the fight? You know, so often it's difficult to tell. Like, what are we even fighting against? You feel like you're blindfolded in, and you're just spinning around and swinging and hoping that you hit the enemy. That's not a good place to be, church. That wasn't where Jesus called us to be. And so today I wanted to find the fight for you. Let's start with who we're fighting against. I'm going to read out of Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the enemy. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You might have already known the answer to this question about who we're fighting against, but let's be honest. Do you feel like in your life that you are regularly fighting against the devil and his minions is that and maybe you do but let's compare it to the fight against flesh and blood I know for me for sure five days out of seven I am fighting flesh and blood and I don't intend to but I do some of the other some of the other tradesmen they're difficult to deal with right I didn't I didn't, I didn't mean to set eyes on anyone in particular. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, I'm probably the most difficult tradesman. At least I tie. <laughs> right? <laughs> How often is the fight uh, between you and maybe the coach that isn't treating one of your kids fairly? Oh, man, it's been a season, I'm telling you. 
sports. I don't know. I don't know if they're worth the, the thousands of dollars that they cost. Is it against, is it, is it maybe your boss that doesn't acknowledge how hard you work no matter how hard you try, you haven't got a raise in five years, he doesn't see you, are you fighting that flesh and blood? Or maybe it's the group of friends that seem to never really include your wife in what they do. Her group of friends kind of excludes her a little bit. Maybe it's someone questioning how you're leading your family. Oh, that's, that's a tough one. You're trying your best. You want to do well. And someone's like, you should do better. <laughs> you laugh, but it's true. And then we retort by saying, at least in our minds, I've seen how you parent your kids. <laughs> and you're not doing so good either. Maybe different areas. Far too often, I focus my efforts on fighting with people, and actually more often than not, fighting people in my mind, which does absolutely nothing but raise my heart rate and cause my doctor to say, if you don't stop this, you're going to have health issues within 10 years. You need to stop the battle in your mind. But the Bible's clear. They're not the ones to be wary of. As the text we just read said, it's all of the strategies of the devil that we should prepare for. So I want to go through a few of his strategies today and what we can do to prepare and combat them. So uh, if you know me, you'll know that I'm a firm believer in the power of words. And that belief is, is based in, in the word of the Lord. And if you've ever spoken to me about spiritual warfare or if I've ever prayed with you for spiritual uh, breakthrough you'll know that I've talked to you about the power of words. It's something that's, it's, it's one, of, one of the pinnacle beliefs that I have in, in, in Jesus. I'm passionate about words, so we're going to talk about that today. And I'll try to articulate my beliefs and experience as best as I can. Um, so now we've defined who we're fighting against. I mean, I thought it was fairly obvious, but maybe you don't know that. We are fighting an enemy who really his, his number one goal is to find you and to destroy you. That's all he does. Now let's look at, at, at the fight and how we're going to win it. I'm going to read for you out of Revelation 12, starting in verse 11. And then they conquered him, speaking of the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. And by the word of their testimony, for they loved their lives, for they loved not their lives even until death. Two things defeat the enemy. One is Jesus. We cannot do it. We couldn't do it. I mean, honestly, we wrecked it. And he had to come and fix it. The blood of the lamb. That's not something that we could have done. He did it. But there is something we can do. The, the enemy's not defeated by just the blood of the Lamb, but also the word of our testimony. That's, that's you. And that's with this. The word of your testimony does absolutely nothing unless you speak it out. The word of the testimo testimony is worthless unless it ends up on someone's ears. Our words are so very important. And today, that's why I've titled this message, Speak It Out. 
speak it out. This is how we overcome. And it's why the devil works so crazy hard to keep you silent. Or at very least to have you speaking words that are not of life. There's only two different kinds of ways you can speak. Life and death. Everything you say is one or the other. The enemy, he works really hard to make sure that you don't say anything. And if you do, you speak death. What's the net? (laughs) If you're silent and you speak death and maybe a little bit of life, the net is death. Church, we don't, we don't walk in death. Amen? We walk in life. And how do, we, how do we express life? We express it with our mouths. There's power in your words. Listen, you are built, you're create, created in the image of God. God created everything by um, the work of his mighty hands, yes, but it was, because, it was because he spoke it into being. Everything he created, he spoke. He created you the same way. So how can you s- suppose that your words don't do anything? You're created in the image of God. You're a creative being. Man, you got to be careful with that. That is a powerful thing. We are creative beings. We're created in his image. You're created in his image. His words have power. Your words have power. His words have Uh, have the power of life. Our words have the power of life. And unfortunately, they also have the power of death. Your words have eternal effects, the very power of life and death. It is so vitally important for you to speak words of life. We can be the life-giving voice of God to both people and circumstances. Okay? And so today I want to talk to you about speaking out over four different areas. The four different areas are families, it's what the series we're in, speaking over your families, circumstances, your circumstances, their circumstances, over the enemy, and over yourself. Those are the four different areas I want to look at today. This, these are the, the, the four different areas where speaking it out makes a difference where it matters. So number one, speak it out over our families. Mark um, chapter 1, 9 to 11 says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Okay, this is an important piece of scripture. And the reason is, is that this was the very moment where Jesus entered his ministry. Okay, up until that moment, he was doing his thing. He was perfect. But his ministry hadn't officially started, and this was the moment where it happened. I want you to understand what exactly happened. For the first time that I read in Scripture, the Father spoke audibly to Jesus. It says that the heavens opened. I mean, we, we, read the script, we read this passage and we're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, the, I've seen the picture and the dove's coming down on Jesus. Listen to what's happening. The heavens tore open. So, so John baptizes him, puts him into the water, pulls him back out. And the heavens tore open. And the spirit descended like a dove. I don't read that this was just for Jesus to see. I can only assume that everyone else was seeing it. And then an audible voice said, Jesus, I love you. I'm pleased with you. And then Jesus' ministry began. Why is this important? 
Okay, listen. You fathers, you mothers, in the same way, what happens when you speak over your children? Is there a chance that the destiny of your children has not or will not be unlocked until you speak words of affirmation and love and life over your kids? Man, that's a high call. Is there there a chance that the generations will end up diverging from where they're supposed to go because fathers and mothers didn't say what they needed to say over their kids? Man, the enemy wants to keep you silent. He wants you to speak words of death. Honestly, it's not that hard. It is the default of our flesh. Oh, man, when I was typing those words, (laughs) I was like, you better step up, Tyson. I did. I was just like, what's the next thing? What is the next thing for me to speak over my kids? Lord, tell me what the next thing is. I need your leading. I don't want to step out and speak the wrong things. I don't want to just say, you know, Jaden, in Jesus' name, you're going to be rich. (laughs) Great. I want him to prosper. I want him to give to the house, but I want the pointed, supernatural Holy Spirit word of the Lord to come through me, through my mouth, to my children. Don't you want that? I'm telling you today, your words have power. Speak it out over your family. The second thing, speak it out over their circumstances. Mark 11:23 says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you think that this is a metaphor? I don't. I do not think Jesus was speaking metaphorically. I'm not going to build a doctrine around it, but I believe that Jesus was saying, tell that mountain to fall into that sea. You believe it in your heart, I will do it. I believe that he was speaking very, very literally, and of course it's an extreme statement, but I believe that it was absolutely on purpose. Jesus said nothing without a, an immense amount of purpose. Every word that he spoke, I mean, he was fulfilling thousands of prophecies. Can you imagine? I can't write six things down on a notepad at the beginning of my workday and accomplish those things. Jesus was working 33 years to accomplish the Lord's purpose here on earth. So everything that he said, man, red letters, you better pay attention to it because he said it on purpose. He was saying that if you can command mountains to move through your belief, then really what he was intending to, the conclusion he was bringing for you was then what possibly can your words not do? I'm going to read for you If you don't believe me, I'm going to read another passage of Scripture out of John 14. Jesus says, starting in verse 13, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, 
and I will do it. Metaphor? I don't think so. Extremely literal. You ask for anything in my name. So that the son's purpose or so that the father's purposes can be accomplished through the son, I will do it. In fact, the way that it worked out in my computer screen is that the verses overlapped one right below the other, and he literally says the exact same thing twice. You know what that means? He's saying, Listen to me, I'm saying something important. There's only two reasons you repeat something so that someone will get it, or so that you can get back to your notes to see what's next or so that you can get back to your notes to see what's next, okay? Those are the only reasons. Your words have power. Jesus said it. So apparently your words can do anything. Yes, anything. Jesus stated it the same way. And so listen. Tell your truck to stop breaking down. And all the guys who drive forward said, amen. (laughs) I just, Ford owners are kind of, they're kind of arrogant. And so I like to, I like to dig at them when I can. I take it back. My words have power and I shouldn't say that. Sorry. I'm fairly convinced that you basically drive what your dad drove. Check it out and see if it's true, for the most part. Tell your truck to start breaking down. Tell your finances to turn around. Recently, I was experiencing in our business, I was like, no, things aren't really going the way that I want them to. So I started using my mouth, and I said, in Jesus' name, those accounts come back to where they need to be, because I got things to do for the kingdom. Can't be doing that in deficit. Tell your business to prosper. Speak blessing over your kids. Command the curses against them to be turned into blessings. And do it with your mouth. Man, you don't want your thoughts bouncing around in your own head. You want them out there. There is powers and principalities that need to hear what you have to say. There are people around you that need to hear what you need to say. Your own flesh needs to hear what you have to say. So stop speaking death. Stop calling your truck a POS. And I know that you do it in more words than that. Stop saying that. You wonder why your tools are breaking down. It's because you're calling them trash. The creative power of your words. I'm not even joking. The creative power of your words. You're planting and then you're going to reap what you sowed. Be careful. Be careful what you say. Not saying that as an ominous warning. I'm saying change what you're saying. Stop saying that you never have enough. Because when you keep saying that, wow, you just never have enough. Who would have thought? Stop saying that your business is failing. Stop telling your kids that they're never enough. And I, I know it's a weird one to clap for because, I've done it. I, I've, I've done it regularly. Just rebuke those lies in the name of Jesus. They're not true. I tell you what, you say it enough, they will definitely become true. 
Command these situations to match up with the will of God. Speak it out. Do it audibly. Do it in faith. Believing that the same God that can move the mountains on your behalf is more than able to move the mountains in your family circumstances. And man, some of those things feel like immovable objects, right? Man, I don't know how we're going to get through this. If he can move the mountains, he can move the mountains in your family's life. Speak it out over their circumstances. Number three, speak it out over the enemy. Okay, so we're going to spend a little more time on this point, and not because I'm giving any specific honor or respect to the enemy. Trust me, that is not the case. Um, Not because the enemy deserves our attention, but honestly, I think a lot of us are a little bit confused about when to speak to the enemy and how to speak to him. So it's not confusing to me. And so I want to speak that over you uh, today. I want to tell you about how to do that because the honest truth is, is that my dad taught me well. He taught me when and where and how to speak to the enemy. And so I'm going to talk to you about that this morning. First off, Jesus has given us authority over the enemy. I'm going to read for you out of Luke 10. It says, And I have given you authority over all of the power of the enemy, and to walk among serpents and scorpions, and to crush them. Nothing shall injure you. Spoke this one out lots of times through COVID. I was like, ah, might have just got myself sick because I... Let's chew it on my fingernails, as I like to do. I can drink poison. I can walk among serpents and scorpions, and I will crush them. Nothing shall injure you. In order to fight for our families, we must step into this authority. When the schemes and the curse of the enemy become evident to us, we must use this authority. Now listen, I am not suggesting to you at all that you go looking for a fight with the enemy. He's been around for thousands of years. He knows humans better than humans know themselves. Don't go looking for him. It's not our job. It's not our job to go looking for him and to find him and to beat him up, okay? Our job is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. It's about focus. I probably spoke that word literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of times. The Lord told me years ago, this is about focus. Where are you keeping your eyes? But listen, when you're focused on Jesus, keeping clear focus on him, and the enemy obstructs your view of Jesus, that is when it's time to tell him to stop. Has it happened to you? I mean, the honest truth is, is that I keep my eyes on Jesus and all of a sudden something's going on over here and I, I just, all of a sudden I'm here. I struggle with attention. And so for me, in, in my flesh, I understand what it's like to be distracted. And so for me, in my spirit, I understand what it's like to be distracted. When he gets in the, in the way of your clear focus of Jesus, that's when it's time to tell him to stop. And listen to me carefully. You have to speak to the enemy audibly. Okay? He can't hear your thoughts. The Bible says that only God knows the hearts of man. The enemy can't hear you in your head. He can hear you when you speak it out. So if you want to take authority over the enemy, you need to do it with your words. And i got to tell you, this might feel a little bit silly at first. I mean, I appreciate the fact that I get to drive around in my truck 
without anyone else in there regularly because it allows me to do a couple of things that otherwise make you look a little bit crazy. One of those is speaking in tongues, and the other one is talking to the enemy. Or speaking to God actually makes you look a little bit crazy too. Honestly, when they pull up beside you at a light, I can only assume they think I'm singing, but typically I'm not. So it might feel a bit silly at first. It might look like you're talking to yourself, but really it is for real a matter of practice. We've got to work on these things. The more you do, the more it becomes natural. It's vitally important for you to exercise your authority in Christ. You need to get good at it for the sake of your family. Now, I got home after being away from, from home for 10 days, and I, got, I walked into the door. It was nice to be home. But very quickly, responsibilities started flooding me. And I was like, oh, man, i got to do this, and i got to do that. And I started to get quite distracted. And uh, conversations that being have that, honestly, I was probably too tired to have. As so I went to my bedroom, and I sat down, and I started thinking about this message. And I realized, you gotta, you got you to gotta walk the talk. So I, I audibly told the enemy to leave me alone. And it broke. He left me alone, and he should. Not because I'm more powerful than him, but the one that lives in me, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that lives inside of me. It's the badge, you know. You carry, you carry power because of who you walk with. So listen, I want to make this clear. The, the Lord used analogies, so this is the analogy I want to give you. How many of you have seen a mosquito this year? But they're not really around very much yet, right? But honestly, if there's something you're watching for every year, it's like, have you seen your first mosquito yet this year? Anybody see? And like, you're kind of checking the waters. You're like, you kind of live by a slough. You seen a mosquito yet? Yeah, I've seen a couple. But they're pretty dumb. They're not biting yet, you know? Okay, so if you live in northern Alberta, more than likely, you do not let mosquitoes determine whether or not you're going to go outside. Because if you did, you would spend around six months inside. So you don't let the mosquitoes determine your course of action, what you, how you're going to live your life. They're there literally all of the time. And just when you forget about them... Your truck won't start, and it's freezing cold. It's not really that much better. But they're there all of the time, right? As soon as the snow's gone, as soon as there's enough sunlight on the swamp, they're there. And you got to just keep living your life. And when they, when they affect what you're doing enough, you'll take a moment to deal with them. And it doesn't take long. And honestly, it's usually quite violent, you kill them by any means necessary. You ever been in your holiday trailer and you can hear it and you know they're going to bite your face that night and you do whatever it takes to kill them. When they're buzzing around your face, you swat at them. Honestly, in that case, you're not even really trying to kill them. You're just trying to get them out of your clear sight at that moment. You smack them. When you have a young child or if you are sitting beside an elderly person who is not as aware of what's going on with the mosquitoes, you defend them on their behalf. Carefully. Don't sm- You're less violent with how you deal with those mosquitoes. 
you smack those mosquitoes on their behalf. And so listen, it's the same with the attacks of the enemy. When the enemy's attacks become distracting enough, you smack them. You get him out of your vision. Because you need clear focus on what, where you're supposed to be looking, the author and perfecter of your faith. When the enemy's attacks on the weaker members of our family happen, we step in and we deal with it on their behalf. It is the same with the enemy. When you're seeing that and you know that they, they need help for your kids, whatever, you step in, you deal with the enemy, you take authority over the enemy. One of the most common and effective strategies of the enemy to wear families out with persistent and relentless attacks. I mean, I should know. I've had kids, and the enemy has been absolutely relentless with our family over the years. Honestly, if that kind of thing happens, I just go, man, I got purpose, and the enemy must know that he needs to kind of slow me down and distract me. We got places to go. We got things to do. But he tries to wear you out so that you give up. And he actually tries to be sneaky about it. Like I said, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He just wants you to be like, you know what? I guess this is just the way that it is. I guess this is the season of life. My kids are acting a certain way, this certain situation. I guess it's just how it is. And I'm just going to have to put my head down and grin and bear it and make it through it. He wants you to get up and he wants you to leave the campfire where the people are and he wants you to go get in the trailer where the mosquitoes aren't. He wants to get you away from them. If you have kids, you may not know what, you might know what I'm talking about. Then again, you might not know what I'm talking about. I have a theory and I'm not going to call it doctrine, but I, I think that the vast majority of things that go on in our families that are difficult are related to an attack of the enemy. If they become distracting enough, we need to deal with it. My parents taught me this when I was growing up, so I had a head start with my, with my kids. But I got to tell you, I've had a lot of practice. So how do we do this? How do we take authority? How do we speak it out? Well, there's a common strategy out there to just say the name of Jesus. Have you heard this before? Just say the name of Jesus. I don't find that works. And I'm not discounting the name of Jesus. But it's, 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 like, it's like the idea is that this is a magic word that we can say and just magically that all of the enemy and all his minions, the powers and principalities will just make way. I haven't seen that work for me. In fact, I don't see that model anywhere in scripture. Quite the opposite in, in some cases, really. I'm going to read for you out of Acts 19, starting in verse 13. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit, he leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled away from the house naked and battered. Just use the name of Jesus? I don't know. You're beaten up and clothes ripped off. You're running around naked. For some reason, it didn't work in that situation. But Jesus gives us authority over all the power of the enemy. So what gives? 
How did we get the how do we get the enemy to flee? How do we get him to leave our kids alone? Here's what the Bible says about how to get the enemy to flee, specifically James four, seven through eight. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. The battle, listen, the battle is not actually between you and the enemy, okay? The battle's done. Are you aware of this, church? The battle is done. The victory is Jesus. So that's where we should put our focus, right? And when the enemy's attacks become too distracting, tell them to stop and immediately turn your focus back to Jesus. Far too often we spend too long praying and rebuking the enemy and not enough time getting back to Jesus. Leave me alone. Back to Jesus. Swat him away and immediately turn your focus back to Jesus. For our family, who's, who God has put in your care, to watch over them, to help them, to put their focus on Jesus as well, and to exercise the authority that God has given them to protect them from the enemy's attacks. Just to be really practical about this, I'm going to tell you, and maybe I've told you this before so it sounds familiar, but with my kids, when there was an attack coming against them, it would typically take two weeks for that to be gone. And we would rebuke it, and we would pray to the Lord. And so some people say, I prayed the prayer and the enemy's just still relentless. He's just, he won't let us alone. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resisting the devil isn't immediate. He's relentless. He wants to tire you out. He wants you to give up. He wants you to, bother, to not bother trying anymore, to stop fighting. He wants you to lay down the authority that Christ has given you. That Christ purchased by his crucifixion and resurrection. Don't let him win. Fight for your family. Speak it out over the enemy. And just as we're closing, I'm going to go to the fourth thing. Speaking it out over ourselves. Listen, if you need to put up a good fight, you need words of life spoken over you. Turns out, that the person who can speak audible words of life over you most often is yourself, okay? And it works. King David, he knew this well. In Psalm 103, he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We sing that like a nice, a nice hymn. But the truth of the matter is, is that I've, I'm fairly confident that, that King David was speaking that over his flesh, saying, you bless the Lord, flesh. Everything that's in me, you bless him. Because I'll tell you what, your flesh is fallen. Unfortunately, we're still connected to it. We have a spirit. We have a, we have a body. The two of them are connected. We cannot get away from it. And if you do, you're not here anymore. Okay? In the meantime... You can reciprocate words of life out of your mind, through your mouth, and back to your flesh. And you can change the very way that your flesh is operating. 
You can speak healing over yourself. You can speak life over yourself. You can rebuke anxiety. You can rebuke depression. It's good to get in the house. It's good to have people lay hands on you. But that can't happen every day. And in, in, the, in the waiting, you speak it over yourself. If you've never done it, try it. I'm confident it will work for you. It will start to change. It'll start to change the, your, your thoughts. It'll start to change your mind. If you don't know what to pray, you open the Bible, you start reading it out loud to your flesh. Command yourself to bless the Lord. So let's stand. We're going to sing one more song. Before we do that, I'm just going to take a moment. Let's just, uh, let's, let's take a moment and let's, let's ask the Lord what he's saying to us this morning. Just maybe close your eyes. Maybe do a little exercise where think about how your week has looked. Think about what what words you've expressed throughout the week. Take an inventory of them. Was it more death? Was it more life? No offense, but I'm going to venture to say that it was a lot of death. And this morning, would you join me in just saying, Lord, I'm turning. I'm changing the words that are coming out of my mouth. For my family, for their circumstances. For the attacks of the enemy that continue to come against me and my family. And even for my own flesh, even for myself, I'm going to change how I speak, what I say. I'm going to use the creative power that you put inside of me, Lord. I'm going to use that for life and not for death. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.